all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it and what were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We're live on Skywatchers Radio here on the PSN Radio Network. Welcome, everybody, on this beautiful first week of January, the very, very first week of 2011. And it's a yeah. beautiful Wednesday night and a beautiful it 2011 beautiful so far. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a beautiful day, but to call it live, I guess, would have to go back to the definition of what is life because I'm feeling pretty dead right this instant. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and, you know, and it, it, it's funny. I think all three but, of us are actually feeling a little bit under the weather. Dennis, how you doing yeah. there? Uh, I'm doing horrible. And it's pouring down rain here in Jacksonville, Florida. And, and uh, as everybody can hear, it's my annual talk like a fool, a voice like a fool. And you'll have to put up with it. Otherwise, forget it. Forget <laughs> about it. I'll tell you yeah. what, I had a pretty decent day today, but I'm also not feeling that well. I just came from the dentist yesterday, and my mouth is still... Well, it's feeling like a little, like a little dirty slut right now. It's just feeling like it's been used and abused. They yeah. injected me with like twelve different needles, and it was all kind of crazy stuff going on in there yesterday. But they say the dentist is supposed to help, right? So uh, hopefully he, de- you know, they did a, a fine enough job that it helped. I don't know. I don't have to that, go. To, I don't have to go to the dentist no more. I have to go to the plastic factory if I had to get something fixed. See, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to avoid. That's uh, exactly where I'm trying not to go. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good move, was, man, you know. I was uh, having a conversation with my mother the other day, and she's, like, missing all her teeth. And I said, <laughs> like, out of nowhere, her front teeth, like, her top teeth just came out. And she just started <laughs> laughing because, you know, it just popped out. And then I looked at myself, and I was like, I'm definitely going to my dentist appointment. I really do not want to have that ever happen to me in the middle of a conversation. It was just embarrassing. It really was. I have but a, anyway, yeah, we're, who knows? Yeah, that, that's never happened. That have, hasn't happened to you yet, Dennis. That never. No. No. I put I, 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 I put enough glue in my mouth to keep them in. Yeah. You know? But uh, yeah. Anyway. Oh how does well. That work? I, how does the glue work? I mean, is is it a what kind of adhesive? Is it? Yeah, it's, it's just like a, a adhesive. It's an adhesive that it works real good, except that whenever you remove them, you got a lot of goop in your mouth to get out. But we don't yeah, need to be talking about that on Skywatchers. Who the hell? Do? Yeah, yeah we do because if you lean your head back, all that glue wants to run down your throat. That's oh my god! Don't even tell me about that. Bad. Anyway, well, I'm sh- I'm sure in a, in a distant planet somewhere off in the galaxy, there is an alien having this exact conversation with another alien yeah. and having his yeah, answers so, bother him. So, so yeah. this, this is, like, is where we segue really. it into alien dental implants, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a good That's good what I'm talking point. about. Yep. So anyway. Now, we, uh, do have, we do have some news here on Skywatchers Radio today, and uh, it is Skywatcher related, we promise. It's uh, definitely UFO related. In fact, Dennis has been sitting on some news for about a week now. Dennis, you want to kick it yeah. off with this? Yeah, sure. Uh, actually, actually, it's uh, it, it's it has to do with Roswell. You know, we we've Uh-oh. all heard, yeah, we've all heard a lot about Roswell and and the crash at Roswell and on and on and on. We've all had guests on our shows to talk about their different research and and whatnot. And uh, we've also talked about. Uh, NASA and, and NASA and how they got started with their with the rocket program to send a man to Mars and all that and 
And we've all heard how uh, they brought German rocket scientists over to start our space program and everything like that. But actually, the space program, the first person to really get involved in it was Robert Hutchings Goddard and Goddard Space Station in Houston, Texas. Was named after him. Yeah. yeah, it was named after him. And uh, in 18, and this is from the, uh, and there's a Roswell connection. That's, that's the reason I'm getting into this. Many years before the crash. Uh, this is from uh, www.roswell-nm-gov uh, slash visitor center dash goddard html. In 1898, a teenager, Robert Goddard, found his life purpose in the pages of a Boston newspaper. Captivated by the compelling realism of a serialized version of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, he imagined how wonderful it would be to make some device which had even the, the possibility of ascending to Mars. He began enthusiastically filling notebooks with ideas for getting off the planet. While Goddard was a graduate student in physics at Clark College, his youthful speculation crystallized into the pursuit of rockery. Later, as a professor at Clark, his research began in earnest with a grant from the Smithsonian Institute. For the first 12 years, with intermediate Smithsonian support and occasional funding from other sources, Goddard achieved in his spare time many notables first in rocketry, including the construction and flight of the first liquid rockets. In 1929, news account of one of Goddard's outdoor tests caught the attention of Charles uh, Lindbergh, who quickly became an avid supporter. Funding arranged by Lindbergh, largely from the Daniel and Florence Guggenheim Foundation, made it possible for Goddard to work on rocketry full-time on a much larger scale. A search for open spaces and good year-round weather led him to Rock Roswell, New Mexico, a place, as his wife Esther would remark, which we would not be bothered in, but, and no one would bother us. In the summer of 1930, the Goddards and crew of four arrived in Muscalero Ranch, a 12-acre ranch. Jesus Christ, somebody's eating their microphone. At the edge yeah, of Roswell. <laughs> At the, uh, oh uh, boy, ten, something's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> in the summer of 1930, the Goddards and a crew of four arrived at Muscalero Ranch, a 10-acre ranch at the edge of Roswell. A, a test stand and workshop were built adjutant to the house. With the permission of a local rancher, a launch tower was constructed on a section of secluded prairie about 10 miles outside of town. Over the next 12 years, Goddard and his crew made major strides in rocket propulsion as well as the practical matter of launch control, uh, stimulation, cracking, and recovery. In all, there were 56 flight tests in Roswell with 17 flights reaching over 1,000 feet in altitude. Unfortunately, just as the work was truly coming to fruition, a World War II contract required Goddard to abandon his flight testing and turn his attention to specialized rockets for assisting heavily launched aircraft during takeoff. He died while under Navy contract in Annapolis, Maryland. After the war, rocketry grew quickly into a large-scale enterprise, owing largely to the far greater pace of wartime rocketry in Germany, in part to his own secrecy, Dr. Gruder was all but forgotten. It was only through the diligence of his widow, Esther, that many details of his pioneer work were finally brought to light. Some 214 patents were eventually awarded to Dr. Goddard, more than three quarters posthumously. In 1960, the Armed Forces and NASA paid $1 million, the largest government patent settlement then on record, for prior infringement and continued use of Dr. Goddard's ideas. The recognition that his uh, this inventor, this prestigious inventor, so richly deserved, finally followed, including a congressional medal, which Mrs. Goddard accepted in his memory in 1961. An exhibit at the Roswell Museum and Art Center contains four major components. 
One, an extensive collection of assemblies, tools, and documents spanning all phases of Dr. Goddard's development of rockers, rockets between 1915 and 1945, including the first liquid-fired rocket built in 1925 and several others, nearly complete rockets. An accurate, full-scale reproduction of Dr. Goddard's Roswell workshop, as it appeared in the 1930s, featured many of his original machine tools. Number three, Dr. Goddard's Roswell launch tower, 1930-1942, which was transported from its original site on the prairie to the Museum Lawn in 1949. Number four, a NASA Apollo 17 display featured a spacesuit worn on the moon by New Mexico geologist and astronomer Dr. Harrison Schmidt and a small fragment of one of the samples that he brought back. Dr. Schmidt visited the moon in December of 1972 with the help of a rocket much larger than, but in many ways similar to what Dr. Goddard had been flight testing in Roswell some four decades earlier. Dr. Goddard's first public suggestion of the feasibility of reaching the moon appeared in his 1919 publication, A Method of Reaching Extreme Altitude. So uh, long before the crash at Roswell, Roswell was the home of... Uh, Modern rocketry. What do y'all think of that? Well, I have to go back to one passage where you said, due to a news story that covered one of his outside tests, I want to see the coverage of one of his inside tests of a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have no control over that. But, but uh, Jacko, you, 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 you said something when we first discussed this uh, this. 10 miles from Rock, uh, Roswell uh, launching about uh, a theory about uh, time control. I mean, time travelers and that the crash right. might be related to, to that, those tests back then. Yeah, there is a theory in, in uh, the whole, you know, Roswell crash of 1947. One of the th many, many theories, obviously there's dozens of them, but one of them is that it, perhaps what crashed was uh, nothing more than a ship that was traveling through time and got hit with an explosion an explosion earlier in time that by the time it crashed there was you know a few years ahead of of when it actually got hit because it was literally in between time traveling that's a, an actual theory going around this kind of you know makes you think that well it might be possible yeah and and, and another another point to make is that uh were say some far out civilization was observing Earth from afar and saw right. his test, uh, they could have sent out probes to check it out and it would have taken that long to reach there. Exactly. That's another possibility. That's another possibility. So, uh, or how about they were just, entire... you know, up, you know the, the, whole, the whole time travel thing has, uh, you know, has a, a whole bunch of, of problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has, has a lot of loopholes. I, Completely and and agree yet, with it, it's the most. It is a theory. It's the most compel. It's the most compelling theory, even with all the holes. Yep. Let's say, for instance, that some far-flung future Earth-bound civilization wanted to go back and see their roots. Well, where would they go? Yep. Yeah. They'd want to know. Right. They'd want to know where all these people came from. You know that that um, that had all these reports of flying machines and yet they're going to go back in time in a flying machine uh, there's a little bit of a problem with that um, how would they not know that they would crash if they went back well that's true I mean that's if you that is if a you, paradox if you that's remember if, if you remember the H.G. Wells story where he went back and the first thing he did was get trapped inside of a mountain now, here's, yeah. the, here's the thing. Remember, there is a theory about aliens in general that all the UFOs that we're seeing are beings from this same Earth, but maybe a billion years in the future, you know, travelers in time that are coming back to right. see how civilization was a billion years, a few billion years before. You know, that's a possibility. And I'll say, for example, one of these travelers from our future does come back and in mid-travel is hit by some kind of explosion. 
by the time the ship crashes, you know, it might have taken two, three, you know, or a decade or so before it actually crashed from the time it was hit, even though to them it would have felt like it was an instant impact, you know what I mean? Because remember, they they literally were traveling through time. So if that's the possibility that these aliens that everybody supposedly are seeing and being abducted by and all that are nothing more than future generations of Earthlings, well... That you know, there the paradox could actually be explained well, away by what simply saying, let's say in a, let's say for example, they're from a billion years in the future, right? But a million years from now, there's a catastrophe that all mankind, as we know it, including all our records, are wiped out. Meaning, there's nothing left historically for them to like you know archive or to look at. So a billion years from now, when there is you know again another civilization on this planet, they might want to know what happened you know a billion years before, before the catastrophe since they have no way of testing it or, or no records kept or anything right time travel would be the you know the logical choice they would not know that you know if they go back in time they would crash because there's no records to tell them that so that right. kind of takes away that paradox right El, there and we don't have good records from 200 years ago right there you go imagine a million uh, years in the future another thing that's always uh, is, intrigued me about the possibility of tri time travel was the uh, UFO that I saw myself. It was uh, during the Cuban Missile tri Crisis. Uh, my barracks was the first barracks uh, of men that were going to jump into Cuba had the crisis continued uh, into an invasion of Cuba. And uh, the UFO I saw was directly over that barracks. So I say that if somebody in the future was uh, studying about... Uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and they had a uh, an ability to travel in time. Why wouldn't a professor gather his class into a machine and and go back and look at the particulars? You know. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. If yeah. you have that ability to time travel, especially, look, if you have the ability to time travel, you also have the ability to cover your tracks. Most likely, you know, they're they're going to have. Uh, say a cloaking device, which possibly right. is why a lot of people don't see them all the time, because maybe they could cloak themselves. I mean, we're already working on cloaking devices ourselves. We're working on fabrics that have cameras on them that will give you invisibility. So imagine a billion years from now, or a million years from now, or hell, two thousand years from now, what the, the technology might be then. You know right. what I mean? So you know, and you have to also keep that into consideration that they there, there might be schools of, of time travelers coming and going, you know, just coming and going from the past into the future, we might not ever see them if they have that right. technology. And, and, and like in my case, it might be like when you take the jungle tour at uh, one of the theme parks where they'll drive and then they'll slow down to look at a certain animal and then pick up speed to get to the next spot. And so when I saw them, uh, they slowed down over the barracks and then they... You know, then they left and shot out of sight and headed for compute, uh, Cuba or whatever. So uh, yeah. it, it's really a good concept. You know, I mean, uh, maybe they can cloak themselves at speed, but when they slow down to take their actual look, it's the one second that we get to see them. Exactly. That is true. Well, the, uh, the other end of that stick is no matter what kind of technology, no matter what stage of science or technology your culture has, technology fails. Yeah, exactly. Always, you know, always going to be errors, mistakes, crashes. Look, yeah, that's always going to happen, no matter how advanced. Or... Yeah, a perfect example is our shows with uh, putting up with Skype and Uvu and all the yeah. other. <laughs> yeah, but compared to them, uh, we're primitive. We yeah, of course we are. Primitive. But still, you know, you're going to have mistakes. I mean, they had uh, the first car built got in a car wreck. Yeah, I mean, the yep, that's, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> You know. And, you know, the, even, you know, advanced models are still going to get into car wrecks. You're still going to, you know, have mess-ups and defective, you know, equipment. And, and hell, if, if there is some kind of testing going on with, you know, rocketry and there's a, a being that is time-traveling and, you know, for example, like the, the movie the, the Time Machine, when he is slowing down, you could see around him how everything slows down as is evolving. The evolving speeds up as, as the machine is really speeding up. But as he's about to stop it, you know, everything starts to kind of slow down. That might be the same kind of process they see outside. And in, and in them just traveling through time, they might have been hit, you know. And right, by the time right. the machine stops, boom, it's like 10, 15 years or whatever it was in the future, five years in the future, whatever. But it doesn't mean they weren't hit, you know, 10 years, be, you know, 15 years before. So it's definitely an intriguing theory. It really is. It's, hey, it's another theory to throw out there when it comes to ufology, just like every other theory that there is out there. There's plenty of them. Yep, 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 yep. 
So what could you say? Anyway, that well, was my little piece yeah. of news that even Joe hadn't heard of that. So, uh, you know, it's kind of weird that, that it's not well known that the first rocket uh, the first rocket tests in America were made 10 miles from Roswell. I mean, it seemed like with all the news of Roswell, that would be let, a major let, subject. Let's qualify that. The first liquid fuel rockets were at Roswell. Well, yes. well of course. I mean, you know, you got the Chinese and all that. But I, I'm talking about modern rocketry which started at Roswell. and uh, Actually, had, the U.S. Navy started using rockets in 1802, but they weren't using them as weapons. It was a line launch to tether two ships together. Right, and it wasn't, it wasn't shooting into the atmosphere as Dr. Goodard was. That's giving him his due. Correct. So well, my, my case still remains that First modern yep. rocketry trying to shoot into outer space which took place 10 miles from Roswell, and yet nobody talks about that in all that we hear about Roswell. It's just kind of strange. That's, very, that's true. Yeah, that is course, strange. You're absolutely cor right. Of course, you've got to remember also that the government was using his uh, uh, patents without proper authority and had to pay big bucks when it was finally found out. So, you know, I guess that might be part of it. True. Perhaps. It could be. I just want to answer oh. something in the chat room. Yes, Joe, the okay. Chinese did use rockets in warfare, but they were not uh, uh, solid fuel rockets. In fact, Goddard one time had the idea of taking his solid fuel rockets, putting the Chinese uh, black powder into the warhead and shooting black it at powder. the moon shooting yep. it at the moon where it would explode on the moon yep. and cause a big enough uh, uh, fire fire to be seen through telescopes from Earth. So uh, he knew about that, too. Yep, exactly. And just to uh, you know, answer uh, Joe in the chat room for another post he put a little while ago, uh, yeah, I, I agree, Dennis can penetrate any cloaking device. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've done it before. <laughs> yes, you have. Now I don't know. I don't. I know that you, Dennis, and you, Rick, you guys are a fan of the Sci-Fi Channel. You watch Sci-Fi Network from time to time. Did you, uh, uh, did you guys hear? Not as much well, as I used to, but go ahead. Well, did you hear about the uh, the video that they were shooting yesterday? Uh, this actually went out to everybody in West Mesa. They uh, they reported that if you see strange lights in the sky last night. Or if you saw any strange lights in the sky last night, something that looked like a UFO incident or something like a crashed UFO or maybe like a bunch of UFOs in the sky, uh, and you really truly believe there were UFOs that you were seeing, well, guess again. This is actually nothing more than a recreation of one of Sci-Fi Channel's newest episodes with uh, Bill McCamie. And it was actually filmed in La Cruz's, by La Cruz's film Liaison. It says here, and it said that the Sci-Fi Channel is shooting a new episode of Factor Faked Paranormal Files in La Cruces, and I guess they shot a bunch of uh, video, and people were going bananas thinking that there were UFOs in the sky. Now it says here they were not given the exact location because the production does not want people to come out and you know try to uh, you know get involved with the production or to try to uh, look at what's going on. But he said that part of the shooting will involve balloons, funny enough, and glow sticks attached to the balloons. That's part of the, the footage that they shot. Uh, LCPD spokesman Dan Trujillo uh, urged people to be aware of the production and not to call the objects, or not to call in to the uh, emergency responders office uh, trying to you know report these objects as actual UFOs. New Mexico has a reputation, of course, of being a hotspot for UFOs, like we were just talking about Roswell. Uh, so this is pretty funny, coming right out of La Cruz's New Mexico. We have uh, Sci-Fi Channel doing some footage for fact, fact or fake, paranormal files, and uh, people were already up in arms last night thinking they were really watching UFOs in the sky. Pretty funny. Okay. The best part is the fact that they were shooting balloons with glow sticks on them. I love that part. Yeah. It always goes, it always goes back to balloons in, in New Mexico, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, it's freaking yeah. balloons, man. <laughs> it's not weather balloons with jump dummies that wouldn't be, or uh, crash test dummies that wouldn't be invented for the next eight years. 
It's not. It's glow sticks, which wouldn't be invented for the next 30 years. But hey, that's neither here nor there. Okay, okay. Let's, that's just, let's... Yeah, that's just part of it. That's all. Yeah. Guys, let's take a little break. We'll be back here on Skywatchers Radio in a couple minutes. we got to pay some bills. And when we come back, we have a little bit more when it, in terms of ufology news. So stick around. That might be exciting, I guess. Yeah? Yeah, that's better, better than a poke in the eye Adventures in time and space. Transcribed in future tense. The powwow. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one. Disorder never sounded so good. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine presents... The Powwow, weekends at 12, only on SoFloRadio.com. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction, Are We Alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Saturday or Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head, on the Super Media Network. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. This ad has been paid for by The Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. War. It's fantastic. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. PSN Radio The Soup. The best talk radio anywhere. 
All right, guys, we're back on Sky Watchers Radio here on PSN Radio, the Soup Media Network. Welcome, everybody, back. And we want to take a couple minutes here to talk about TalkStream Live. Now, of course, you've heard other hosts here on the network talk about it, including Dennis and Rick over here. They've talked about it recently. And we're on TalkStream Live now, also on Sky Watchers Radio. So what I would like to have everybody in the chat room do is please go to this link I'm going to say I'm going to post here in the chat room and click on the Soup Media Network link let it play around the background just click on it once yep only once we don't we don't need you to click on it repeatedly just one time and uh let it play in the background it'll probably open up like in Winamp or something like that I believe and uh, just let it play you can you know lower it or whatever just let it play it lo- it open you know, it up it, uh, it opens up in uh windows I believe uh, what it does. For yeah, me it's, any- well, it depends on what your player is. Either Windows ah, okay. player or uh, Winamp. You know, mine's is Winamp, so it, it really depends on the person's uh, player. But right now, we're getting our asses creamed, guys. We're like all the way in the bottom here, somewhere. Sky Watchers. Let's see. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. So, why don't you help a brother? Uh, out are we actually on the list? That's. <sighs> we were a little while ago. Right now, I'm not seeing it. Not so much right now. Uh, yeah. Anyway, ah, there it is, Skywatchers. Yeah, it is. Man, I hate to count. Uh, let me see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, 17, we don't 18, have 19, to. 19, 20, we don't need to. 29, 30, 31. We're like 40 on this list, guys, out of like 100, which is not that bad considering we've never talked about talk stream live on Skywatchers Radio before. It's kind of like a new thing for us here, but. Uh, so it's not that that bad, but it's uh, you know not that great either. We like to be up there with Michael Savage and Mark Levine and L.A. Morsili. Well, we we, we we all those but, guys. But we you know we also have to apologize to our listeners in the fact that we haven't been coming on with a regular schedule and we haven't been promoting or anything like that. That is true. Yeah. And so you know we 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 need to do more of that with uh, this show. Yeah, Skywatchers definitely has to get a little bit more promotion, but uh, I, I definitely concur. And we have to keep our schedule, which is, again, every Wednesday at 11 o'clock. Uh, sometimes it'll be me by myself. Sometimes it'll be me, Dennis, and Rick. Sometimes it'll be Dennis and Rick and Jamie. Sometimes it'll be me and Jamie, and, you know, we, we mix match. Sometimes it'll be all of us together, but we have to definitely uh, keep a consistent track record here of uh, doing it every 11 o'clock every Wednesday night. Right. I think that's the only way we'll build consistency. But uh, if anybody who is listening, if you can go to TalkStream Live, look down the list, find Skywatchers Radio, click on it, and then click on the Soup Media Network uh, link in there so you can go ahead and check us out and help boost up the ratings a little bit on TalkStream Live for us, won't you? Appreciate it. It would be nice. Yeah. Now, getting back to yeah. uh, some Skywatcher-related news uh, Rick, do you have anything uh, for us today? Because I already read one. You know, Dennis has read an article here, and uh, you know now is Yosa turn, sir. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to take this one off the top of my head because I don't have the story up in front of me. But basically, ah. there on New Year's Eve, that Friday, there was a tornado tore through Arkansas, killed three people and headed our way actually here in indiana and we just kind of got the remnants bad weather little kind of stormy windy lightning rain etc but in arkansas it really tore up jack and then of course the next day being new year's day everybody's watching the parades and the football games and dealing with hangovers and they don't get out much well that following sunday a report came in of thousands of dead birds, and uh, they were starlings for the most part. And they were, they were beaten up. I mean, they were bleeding and battered and dead. And, and everybody said, oh, a mysterious bird kill. But follow the sequence of events I just <laughs> named off. And there's nothing at all mysterious about this bird kill. And yet it has made national headlines. What's up with that? Are people that that desperate for mysteries? I don't get it. Well, here's the thing. There's 5,000 dead birds and over 100,000 dead fish in Arkansas alone. Yeah. Something's definitely up. Now there's a report, I believe, in Sweden I saw today. I believe it was Sweden. Yeah. 
Yeah, the falling birds in Sweden also uh, baffled scientists today. Uh, this is actually uh, just posted a few hours ago, believe it or not. I think it was like five, six hours ago. Yeah. Uh, this website here says, Residents in South in southern Sweden city of, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the city name, but it's uh, a weird spelling. And uh, they found 50 to 100 dead jackdaw birds. I don't yep. know what jackdaw's birds are, but they found 50 they're, to 100 dead birds laying on the street January 5th which was today, according to Swedish news website local. In fact, I'm going to post the link here on the website so you guys can take a look at it. But yeah. this is, like, happening everywhere. And, you know, Slim Swayze, who has a show here, was talking about this on his show, and he and he called in yesterday on Out of Sight Radio, and he, uh, you know, re- read a report on this, where they're, they're saying that there was a person involved who was murdered because he was trying to bring forth what really was going on here and that this is some kind of uh, experiment gone wrong sort of they were trying to, i guess hide some uh, nuclear waste down in that area uh. and that's what kind of escaped and uh some of it was being done through chemtrails which everybody always asks you know what the hell is what, what are they putting in the chemtrails well wouldn't that kind of uh be a coincidence that you know they're dropping chemtrail and suddenly birds are starting to die yeah the ones that the ones in Sweden, uh, they sh- I saw them on television uh, during the news tonight, and they look like little black sparrows. But what was interesting to me, I guess they fell during a snowstorm, was some of them were laying on top of the snow, but some of them they were digging out of the snow. So that was kind of weird. Uh, of course, you know, I say go check and see what sales of shotguns were if they're right there. But <laughs> yeah, or a rat poison. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Anyway, the, the birds and fish, you know, I mean, it sounds biblical almost. Yeah, you know, and the the craziness of the story that uh, Slim was talking about was that the person, I, I can't remember the gentleman's name who uh, was murdered, but he was supposedly trying to bring out this story. And part of the whole thing was that this was chemicals that were being used to fight in Afghanistan that we were supposedly using on the enemy in Afghanistan, on the insurgents, on, you know, on them. Basically, we were using this chemical warfare on them. And to get rid of whatever excess amount they had, they started dumping it in Arf- in Arkansas. Yeah, so well, that, you know, it, it, yeah, let's make, let's blame it on the Americans. I mean, what the hell? Every time, yeah, uh, every yeah. time, every single time. So anyway, we don't know what it is, but there's something killing birds. It might be, you know, I've heard of that before years ago. So. It, I have a hard time believing it's chemtrails because I heard of that long before chemtrails were even in the mind of people, uh, of, of falling birds over a large area dying. And so, you know, it might be something natural. It might be a bird disease. But what what intrigues me is the birds and the fish. You know, that's what intrigues me. If it was just birds... yeah. You yeah, know, birds but, is one thing, but it's birds and fishes that are, you know, winding yeah, up. Well, Not just a few fishes. It, but Talking more about 100,000 fishes. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah, fish. yeah, but it's all one species, too. It's all drum, which is a bottom feeder. So if there is anything getting into that waterway, that's the species that's going to pick it up because they're bottom-feeding scavengers. Which, that leads a little bit more credibility to what the story that was being told right. on Slim Swayze. That yes, there is does. something that's being dumped in that area, and uh, these fishes are eating it up, and they're exploding. Supposedly, this this chemical makes the internal organs of whatever you know creature eats it or or swallows the liquid explode. So that looks exactly what we're looking at here. I mean, I've seen some of the pictures of some of the fishes and some of the birds, and they literally look like they're they've been blown up from the inside. And so and it's kind of it's kind of weird. Another thing to take into consideration, which uh, Rick Weezer deny or confirm, is that in Arkansas there's a lot of secret stuff going on, especially in the chemical field. That is true, yep. No doubt about that. Yeah, but none of it's U.S. government stuff. That's the crazy part. All the government chemical weapons is in Utah. It used to be in Utah, Indiana, and New Jersey, but Indiana and New Jersey are are, uh, turned off now. Dugway, Utah is is the home of all the chemical and biological uh, defense. Of course, it's all for defense. <clears throat> right. How to protect against chemical and biological weapons. Right. But there is uh, private concerns in Arkansas that are working on the same type of thing. 
not necessarily yeah, there for are the also, government. Yeah, I haven't gone and checked since this story broke, but years ago there used to be 16 separate fertilizer plants along that one river. Right. Right, yep. So that's what and I was talking about. number of uh, sewage treatment plants, and you name it, there's all different kinds of mundane, comparatively mundane crap that would cause a fish kill, which is not in the same area as a bird kill, by the way. It's in the That's same state, but it's... Uh, no, but, they, but it's the, the dating, the, the timing is the same, which could be coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidence. Now, here's another theory that popped up yesterday while I was driving home from the dentist. I actually, you know, was listening to a radio show, and they were talking about this very subject. And one theory that was being thrown out there by uh, Ron McGill, who's a worker for the Metro Zoo down here in Miami, Florida. He's, like, one of the main dudes at the Metro Zoo. And he's, he was saying that a theory was that since this happened over the New Year's, literally over New Year's, that, it per, that perhaps what the birds were, you know, being afflicted by were firecrackers and, and literally, um, you know, fireworks that were hitting them and killing them. And that's basically what was going on. And that's why you had so many dead birds, because a lot of them were just flying around and firecrackers were going off and fireworks were going off and killing them. So that's a theory that he threw out there. Plausible, but it still doesn't explain the dead fishes. No, not plausible either, because those birds are not going to fly at night. And at midnight, when then they go out and light out. off their firecrackers and fire their shotguns, it's you know it's night, it's midnight. The trees are full of roosting birds. Unless they aimed at the trees, they're not going to hit the birds. Well, like I said, it was just a theory. Well, you know, and we need to find out if these are night flying birds or day flying birds, you know, there are a lot of birds yeah, that fly at night. Day. Yeah, owls. Well, they fly in the daytime, roosted at night, so, Correct. you know, so what do you, what do you, you know, what do you got? Anyway, I just thought it was interesting, and, and it is something in the sky, so sky watchers, I mean, you know, fits in. Yeah. Hey. Well, I think I know Close the enough. answer to this whole enigma, and it is, uh, it, it has to do with the, it still has to do with the tornado. The tornado came through, picked up all the fishes on the river, dumped them on the ground, but in the process they hit all these birds and killed them. So then the, the fishes washed back into the river because of all the rain, and that's that's the answer. That's got to be the answer. It's the that's only the, answer, right? Uh, that's kind of like the... Uh, that's kinda like the, the that's like the magic bullet theory in the JFK. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, just exactly what it is. Let's That's just what that put is it, there, Rick. <laughs> let's just put it all together. The chemtrails uh, caused the hurricane or the uh, the tornado, and then uh, you know. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> uh, the boys I, I still go the, for the more mundane crap. The boys, yeah, well. but that's just me. The voice of reason, okay? <laughs> the voice of reason. The voice of reason came up with his own magic bullet theory for the yeah, dead birds, the exactly. dead birds and dead fishes. Wait, 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 and, 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 and I bet you he'll get Alan Specter <laughs> on his side, too. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Boy, that's a scary thought. <laughs> kind of is, actually. But, uh, anyway, yeah. have you guys uh, heard about this? A uh, woman who believes she found Europe's Area 51. Did you guys read this article yet? No, I haven't. Give it to me. No. This is, uh, says here, the light sank into the forest near Fanborough, Hampshire, uh, UK, as Hillary Porter and her family drove home in 1977 July while traveling through the military wooded area still open to the public at the time. Uh, we were convinced that something had dawned, uh, uh, drowned, no, sorry, down at the edge of the woods. Porter said, as they neared the area... Well, are you okay there, Dennis? Okay. As, as they neared the area where the light would have landed, the military was already there. We were met by many blacked window, uh, windowed army buses accompanied by loads of uh, soldiers, combat gear, and rifles all spread out through the land. She said, we had no choice but to turn back and get out of there. As they turned to retract their steps away from the armed soldiers, Hillary and her husband noticed a large round uh, burn mark on the ground. 
After a short drive, they realized their encounter wasn't over. After going back down the road about a quarter of a mile, suddenly we saw two very thin humanoid beings, about six feet tall, dressed all white with helmets on, looking like looking at the soldiers. Uh, she said they were looking right at the soldiers. The beings suddenly ran down into a clearing, which both for her. Both her former husband and her saw at the same time. They were both uh, pretty much like paralyzed. She says they really couldn't move. Uh, they tried to uh, they tried to actually uh, I guess dramatize what happened to them, and they say they just they got paralyzed. They couldn't even move, and the two beings were just looking at them and looking at the soldiers and conversating back and forth. Hillary turned to her husband and said, "Let's get the hell out of here," but they couldn't move. And then suddenly uh, she started shouting, and then they just ran and they drove home as fast as they could, all shaken up. Now this is reported yesterday it's a very long article but here i'm going to post it here it's from the examiner.net what do you guys think about this um here there's the link i don't know if it'll open up in the chat room but there it is what do you think about area 51 in europe possible i i rate the examiner right up there with the national Enquirer. yeah uh, wait, wait a minute wait a minute you know of course uh, it just so happens that that I tried to get the, the gentleman named Chib Hogshire, old, uh, old unraveling the secrets, and he worked for the, the tabloids for many years, and he's exposed the fact that the tabloids are actually controlled by the different intelligence services of Britain and uh, the United States, and many oh, stories, A lot of and, and many stories in there are true, mixed in with the fiction to. Uh, uh, to to make people say just what Rick said, but Rick could be right. But we got to look at it a little closer. Than that, but you know, we, now now we're talking about an Asian area fifty one. We got 50, area fifty one here, and then we got you know the American Roswell, and the Mexican Roswell, and the Chinese Roswell, and the you know old and old Canadian old and old and old, and and uh, you know if if something's it's going over. What gets me about these reports, though? I mean, this is kind of a. a evidence-less report, because there's no evidence to prove any of this. It's just somebody, you know, kind of retelling exactly. the story. Exactly. exactly. And now they're making well, it out to be, well, now we have a Area 51 out here because I saw this, but where's yeah, the evidence? Yeah. Where's the proof? I mean, where's well, the hard it, concrete? There's not the even other, pictures the other part, of this Area 51. Well, Area even 51. The examiner, even the examiner tells you right up front what's going on, because this is in the subdomain storytellers. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Area 51 has a long history of being a base where things were going on that were nefarious and whatnot. And, and she's talking about seeing a couple of aliens watching, you know, the military. How does that make it in Area 51? It, 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 at the most, it's a sighting of beings that can't be explained. Yeah, now she also went on to say here that the craft they also saw was about 20 feet across uh, self-lit and glowing red. Hillary said that it was either on the ground or hovering just above it. Uh, there seemed to be zero activity on the ground. No one got out or entered or anything. Uh, the area of the landing it was just, you know, just the, the hovering craft right there. Hillary is convinced that the craft she saw go down in the woods was that of Artfield Home and the British government air accident investigated the branch. And she is, she swears that this is a UFO and uh, this is uh, an authentic alien craft. But again, no proof. And now you're going to tell me that today in today's day and age, nobody out there that sees something like this doesn't at least get it with their video camera on their phone. I mean, everybody has a phone well, and a camera for crying out loud. If I if I heard you right, she said this was 1977. I doubt that she had any video. Yeah, but uh, but also well, yeah, but also right. but also to say that it's Area 51 is what I want to get back to. What if at the most she she had a a sighting of a craft and of beings. And Area, area 51 is an area that is a base that things are going on constantly for years. So how can they call that an Area 51? I mean, that's like uh, Ron Yeah, this is like one remote incident back exactly. in the Exactly, exactly. Right. Right. So, like I was saying, you know, tell me, if this is really an Area 51, nobody's going to go around there and, and snoop around? Right, exactly. She didn't say Nobody's anything come up with about the a pictures, base. Nothing. Nobody with a camera phone can go by there and record a base or nothing. There's no yeah. evidence. Can we go on like Google Earth and like go around where this area is and find the base? I, mean, I, I, I would doubt so. it. Probably not. I doubt it. 
I mean, we anyway, can go over Area 51 with Google Earth pretty easily, actually, and see what's it, going on over yeah. there. Yeah. So the, what it all amounts to is the Inquirer is stretching the truth. Uh, Examiner, but yeah, they are stretching the truth to, a little to bit. Take, like always. To take, to take 10 minutes of our time here on Skywalker. Hey, hey it fills 10 minutes. Anything to kill a little bit of time. Go ahead. I, I got one that, you, that Jack will share with me, and I'm going to share with everybody else. Alien Life Paranormal Visitors get official recognition. And this is from Yahoo uh, Contributor Network. Uh, it says, extraterrestrial life and paranormal beings are moving slowly away from the fringes as more international governments conduct official studies and even census counts of the mysterious beings. That's good news. This, this week, the Argentine Air Force announced it is creating a commission to document and research all reports of unidentified flying objects in the country's airspace, according to the AFP. Although not fully formed yet, the commission will bring together meteorologists, air traffic controllers, and pilots in order to get a more comprehensive scope to UFO sightings and to more officially record and investigate the phenomena. Argentina is actually behind the times as neighboring countries Brazil and Uruguay have already conducted similar measures to investigate sightings. European Union lawmaker Mario Bogenzio, I did it right, took a similar approach to researching possible alien life in June when he submitted an official request asking all EU member nations to release their documents on UFO sightings, according to AOL News. In June, the declaration had received 17 signatures. Colombian officials are looking to the spookier side of things this week as it's what the heck? They don't want me to look at the council around. Uh, Colombian officials are looking to the secure side of things this week as this Medellin undertaker, William Bertamu, has declared, decided to conduct a supernatural census of the city's areas residents, according to AFP. That would be interesting to see. The, the count, which better clear conducted alongside four other funeral parlor workers has already revealed at least 215 spirits living within the city limits. Three of those reportedly show faces in photos and videos. The ones around here don't like to show their faces. The census is far from over. Better told the AFP as residents or tourists who spot spirits in Columbia's second largest city may email him call the funeral home to report any supernatural sightings. He expects to take a year for the project, then write a book and try and snag a documentary deal. Ghost Hunters revealed that they're a pretty dedicated bunch when in November a group announced they will voyage across the North Atlantic in April to meet with the Titanic-spirited guest, AOL News tells us. Titanic expert William Bauer who will go on the trip, believes that the intense emotional trauma passenger endured during the shipwreck left supernatural imprints that still exist today nearly 100 years after the gigantic cruiser hit an iceberg and sank to the bottom of the sea. Bauer says the investigators will try to recreate the ship's last night afloat by playing the same music that the doomed passengers heard and eating the exact meal served when the Titanic hit the ice. Such attention to detail, he hopes, will bring out any residual emotional impressions left at sea. Bet you they get they get chill bumps over that. Uh, and, well, if they were eating here we all well food, I'll bet they get food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> that too. And here we thought that we heard all we had to hear about Titanic with the last movie in 1999. Never, never, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. forget it. We'll never, we'll never hear the last of that one. Why are they even uh, attempting to do this? I mean, seriously, just uh, leave it alone. Maybe. Well, it, yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you why. Because they'll charge people two thousand, three thousand, four thousand dollars to make the trip. That's what it, it's all it's about. It's about the money. Yeah, That's it's right. About the money. Exactly. It's like the trip to the to find the hole in the center of the earth. Pay us twice as much as another 
uh, icebreaker will charge you to take you up there, and we'll go up looking for the hole. We don't find it. We'll do the same thing all the other ones do at half the price. Yeah, but see, that's actually that'd be pretty cool to take a, a journey to the center of the Earth. But wait a minute. There's one problem. Or at least looking for it. There's one problem. The 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 icebreaker will be using GPS. GPS is controlled by the government. If they want to make a trip, see, they're saying to recreate Admiral Byrd's North American trip, which was done in a play, uh, or North Polar trip, which was done in a play, they would have to use the navigational equipment that he invented to do it, and I doubt whether there's anybody li- left alive on the planet that knows how to use his equipment. Probably not. And apparently he didn't know how to use it all that well either. But no, because he, because he only went 80% to the pole. He never went to the pole. His uh, diary, the true lost diary, indicated when they found it in Ohio in his papers. Yeah. Oh, well. Well. But hey, it would be... A, it would a journey be, to the center of the earth would be cooler. I still see Yes. Yeah, if you want yes. to make a journey, if you want to make a journey to the center of the earth, you're going to have to do it, like Bird said, and go into uh, the cavern world and go in that way. You're not going to find a hole at the North Pole, and, and I've studied oh. the hot for thirty years. That's true. Well, let's let's look at that for a second. If the North Pole is a big block of ice, basically, what maybe the uh, entrance is under all that. Now, now you're now you're jumping into Aha. now you're now you're jumping into Rick's world because he just discovered something like that. You want to talk about that Uh-oh. a little bit, Rick? Uh-oh. Uh, sure. Um, there are C4 maps. They're available at maps.com actually that show the seafloor of the Arctic Ocean, which is a big hole. Actually, it's kind of a pair of big holes with a ridge running between them. And when people say, well, there's this 800-mile hole at the top of the Earth. No, it's 1,100 by 2,300 miles. Sorry. It's called the Arctic Basin. And there are some really deep spots in it. The deepest point being 13,800 feet or something like that, two and a half miles deep. And then the second deepest being um, in the bottom of what they call the Fletcher Abyssal Plain, which... When you look at the seafloor maps, looks for all the world like a lake bed, huge lake bed, but a lake bed nonetheless. It's flat hmm. and it's really deep, and there are all these river beds running into it. What river beds on the bottom of the ocean? Yes, river beds on the bottom of the ocean, and clear erosion marks in the continental shelf leading to those river beds. And there's actually a pair of lake beds, and the most amazing part is you've got four rivers two miles wide, 150 miles long, leading into the Fletcher Abyssal Plain, and there's no outlet. You say, what? Where'd all that water that go? can't be. Yeah. <laughs> say, what? That but it's there. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, it does if there was a hole there at one time. And Rick reported on that in a PowerPoint presentation up at the Burlington Vortex Conference that we will be featuring that report Pretty soon on Unraveling the Secrets. Yep. Yes, we will. And and pretty soon it'll be time to go back up to uh, the Burlington Vortex Conference. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> By the way, oh. speaking of conference, yeah, excuse me, excuse me, guys, I'm barely <laughs> alive here, and I I don't know how to cut off uh, my, uh, my microphone yeah. or Skype. We so. appreciate just the fact that you made it here the way you're feeling, man. So. Yeah. yeah. But, it, we'll but anyway, training it, anyway, anyway the, latest, the latest news on the Ripley's, believe it or not, uh, 24-hour bash, which uh, all three of us and hopefully JV and a couple more will be up there. The latest information is that it will be in March, either the weekend that spring break starts or the weekend after. We'll know by... Uh, we'll know for sure by unraveling the secrets Saturday night at midnight, and I'll give the real date. But uh, we're going to have all kinds nice. of things out there. We're going to oh, it's going to be great, man. This this will be my third time or second. This will be my third time up. What? Well, yeah, and it's the uh, third it's annual. Third? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was up the first two with Jeremiah when he was up there. Unfortunately, uh, yep. he's got other commitments and won't be able to do it. So we're going to do it, and. Uh, 
Man, it is a ball. Ripley's Believe It or Not in St. Augustine, uh, the weekend, one of the weekends of spring break. You guys should come on up there. I, I can't even tell you all the people that are going to be there. Uh, plus, uh, Rick and I, of course, it's we not met. Not just people. Not just people, yeah, animals. Yeah, and I, even I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm yeah, that's what I was fixing to say. Uh, Rick and <laughs> Rick. Rick and I met our first time after 15 years of research together at Burlington, and it was great fun, but now we're going to be able to all three, Jackal and Jamie, if I'm pretty sure if he can make it up, uh, we're all going to meet together at the first time, so it's going to be a wild time in San Augustine in March. Yeah, you know, and, and the cool thing about this whole, uh, you know, meeting that we're going to have up there for, you know, all four of us, uh, on the way there, I'm actually going to stop off and pick up Jamie. So Jamie, de you know, he agreed to definitely go. So, uh, oh, you know, good. Ba yeah. Barring any, uh, you know, sudden change in scheduling that, you know, that might happen. But uh, he did say he'll go. So I was, you know, me and him already kind of planning this out. Where, you know, I am going to go up there and pick him up. We might do an actual remote live sky watch before we take off, uh, you know, to go further up north in, in Florida. And, mm. pick, and go pick you up, Dennis, because I know you're on the way to uh, to the uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. So, you know, we're probably going to end up going to your crib first, and then we'll end up going to Yeah, well, and, and that's what Rick's going to do. So we might get all four of us on one camera. How would that be for a driver? That would be amazing. Scary. It would be scary. Yeah, we'd, I, I'd <laughs> be a durable <laughs> camera. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that better uh, be a, a very expensive camera. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> very good, expensive. I'm thinking camera. cheap throwaway because it's not going to last anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're going to take a little commercial break here on the uh, PSN radio. Dennis, take us out. Yeah, something else to say before we go on break? Uh, I just want to say everybody, right everybody, save your pennies and try to get up there. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Try to or make down. it up there. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We're going to have more news on that as uh, time you know evolves here and as time goes by. We'll have more and more info on the conference and uh, you know not only this, uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not 24-hour event, but also the Vortex Conference and whatever other event we, we partake in in the near future here. So exactly. you know, guys keep looking out for that. We will be posting more info on it. But for now, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on PSN Radio, the Soup Media Network. So... Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Saturday or Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head, on the Soup Media Network. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. This ad has been paid for by The Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. War. Hey guys, it's fantastic. Tell you about we have teamed up with the Soup Media Network, and we are one. Come check out InceptionRadio.com. We have many shows. My show, Inception Radio, is live Tuesdays and Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. But we have many other great shows like Jerry Pippen, Future Theater, UFO Traffic Report, Paranormal Guys Radio, Free Thinker with Tom Donahue, and more to come. After the first of the year. InceptionRadio.com. Come check it out. And remember to listen to Skywatchers Radio Wednesday nights, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on the Soup Media Network. 
Pornception Radio. This is Jamie Havigan. I'm out of here. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Adventures in time and space, transcribed in future tense. The powwow. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two. X minus one. Disorder never sounded so good. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine presents... The Pow Wow. Weekends at 12. Only on SoFloRadio.com.